guys, in today's video, I got to interview Vance Roush. And if you don't know who Vance Roush is, he is the CEO and founder of the Overflow app or Overflow. It's a really, really cool app if you're a church, if you're a nonprofit, if you're a business, go research it. Super cool. Got to dive in a little bit about the startup of Overflow. But he's also a church leader. He's the executive pastor of Five Church in San Francisco in the Bay Area. Got to talk a lot about church building and most importantly, him, just understanding him as a person, as a husband, as a pastor, as an entrepreneur, diving into the subject of entrepreneurship and him being super disciplined. So if you can, uh, stay tuned, check out his socials at Vance Roush and the, the Overflow. Uh, all the socials are Overflow app. Check them out. Super, super cool. It's a great episode. Make sure to subscribe and share this podcast. Um, if you're watching us on YouTube, thank you for watching. Stay tuned. Make sure to like and subscribe. You guys know the stuff. Let's get into it. San Francisco Bay Area. I'm specifically sitting in the Silicon Valley, the heart of the Silicon Valley, Mountain View, Palo Alto area. I guess I could figure that out. But I, my wife and I are in Ventura, so about an hour away from Los Angeles. There you go. I love it. I love it. I love that area. Cali living, baby. What's your, what's your like top three favorite things about living in California? Well, the weather, I'm originally from Seattle, right? Mm -hmm. So Seattleites, all we do is talk about weather all the time because we're always angry about it. So Cali is a lot better for weather, a lot more sunny days. I would say that I specifically like the San Francisco Bay Area for its culture, the entrepreneurial culture that it has, the culture around tech and innovation is one of the reasons that compelled us and that has helped us really set roots here. And then our church, our church, you know, started in the heart of the Silicon Valley. And so that's definitely kept us uh, in the Bay Area and now it's home because of that. Beautiful. Well, I'm sure all the listeners were pumped about our Cali because maybe maybe they live in Texas and they're like, hey, dude, it's way better down here. It's like, well, it's up to you. Just kidding. Vance, yeah, tell, tell exactly. us a little bit about who you are. Like, who who is Vance? Talk talk us through maybe your journey. Like, we just we just learned you're from Seattle. Uh, I instantly I was like I don't know if I've ever met a pastor who's not from Seattle just kidding there you uh, go yeah <laughs> tell, tell us a little bit about you yeah so grew up actually in a suburb of Seattle called Kent Washington uh, shout out 253 and went to the University of Washington for school met my now wife uh, during my junior year of college we got married right after graduating we had met at a church at the time called City Church, now called Church Home. And Judah Smith was our college pastor at the University District campus. Um, we ended up moving to the Bay Area because I got a job in tech at Google. My wife, Kim, got a job teaching in San Jose. And then from there, we started our marriage and our careers. Uh, a couple months into it, we met our now lead pastors, Adam and Kira Smalcom. They're from Australia. Yeah, they're awesome. Uh, they're Aussies. And we had known them for three hours when they were doing a preview tour of the Bay Area. They felt called from God to plant a church in the Silicon Valley. And after three hours of touring them around and, and chatting with them, 
they pitched us a vision of Vibe Church and asked us to be a part of it. And based off of maybe a little bit of faith, but mainly probably more naivety, we said yes. That was about 10 years ago. So we've been building the local church, Vibe Church, for the last 10 years. We started with seven people in a living room. And now we have about 4,000 members across all of our locations. We have 11 locations around the world. And three years ago, I endeavored to start a company, a tech company called Overflow, that is a generosity platform that helps churches and charities raise more money. Well, it's incredible. I, my wife and I were a part of a church in Omaha, Nebraska, five years, helped plant. Oh, yeah. Those, and we were a part of C3, so we're very familiar with Vive, with Kira cool. and Adam. We actually had uh, Pastor Kira preach at our women's event, so... She's incredible gangster incredible uh, <laughs> yeah so I, I love i love that so much and i love that um similar to my story but similar to a lot of our audience it's not one or the other it's not build a local church but give up on all my hopes and dreams of starting a business or the other side like i just don't have time to serve in the local church i'm building a business so i'm mm. gonna get into that in a little bit before that i i love asking what does your weekly routine look like or maybe daily? So I think a lot of people can learn a lot about just a practical routine. I love routines. I love rhythms. It's a bit fluid in the season of life. I think rhythms have to evolve uh, through different seasons. We have four young kids all under the age of seven. And so my wife and I both work for Overflow. Um, she is my partner in a lot of ways, including in business. And so because we both have high demanding, high capacity jobs, as well as four kids, um, it has to be a real partnership in terms of rhythms. And because our kids' schedules are not necessarily the same every day, and because our childcare looks different from season to season, my rhythms are a little bit fluid. Um, what I would say is that there are some principles that I try to carry throughout seasons. Right. So one of the principles that I have is just making sure I'm moving physically in some form or fashion, at least five or six times a week. Right. For at least 30 minutes. Um, obviously, if I can if I can do more, I, I try to do more. But at least five to six times a week for at least 30 minutes, I want to sweat and do something, whether it's running, cycling, uh, playing basketball or, you know, doing some sort of strength training. And so try to do that anti-dad bod. It's really difficult out here in these uh, young kid streets. So that is one principle I try to carry through. And again, because every day is kind of looking different in our season of life, you just have to schedule it where you can. Um, I would say maybe another principle that I try to carry through all of that is some sort of practical form of worship, meditation, or prayer, right? Um, and again, that's been pretty fluid in this season. It could look app-based. It could look physical Bible-based. It could look, you know, um, worship in the car-based. Again, it really kind of depends on the dynamic of the day, but that is a principle that we prioritize um, in our rhythm. And then, you know, some of the weekly rhythms that just carries on through all seasons are investments into your family and your marriage. So something that we have been relatively good at is a date night once a week 
And recently, because our kids um, are now growing up and recognizing the importance of these rhythms, we do a family night. These days, that's Monday night. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I love that. And I, I think what what I'm hearing you say is it might look different in every season, but your values yeah. and priorities remain the same. So I, I love that so much. And even I, w- I want to get like early advanced days, like college days, hungry. Talk to me a little bit about that, the faith journey of like, where did, where did you, where did you always have a heart to plant a church? And did that just kind of like come up through the small comes? Was it like, Hey, I love the local church, but I don't really see myself in it. Like, talk to me a little bit about that journey. Never had aspirations growing up to plant a church. Didn't even know what that really meant. <laughs> right? I didn't know what church planting no. was. I think more of what I had growing up was an entrepreneurial appetite. Hmm. So ever since I was young, you know, I was always starting businesses, landscaping businesses, pressure washing businesses, really from the standpoint of wanting more money to be able to do more things, right? Mm -hmm. Lived in a pretty low to middle income upbringing, Uh, my family being immigrants and doing the best that they could and providing the best platform that they could for me. Uh, But from there, it was a partnership with them to also, you know, try to stand on the platform they created to, to, you know, go further. And so that's a lot of where the entrepreneurial motivation came in and through, you know, starting those businesses, services-based businesses growing up and realizing the exchange of value for money, it was a real kind of eye-opening type of experience and upbringing for me. Um, you know, combine that with some really good parenting from my mom and my dad teaching me first principle truths of work ethic, integrity, things like that lent me to uh, really identify as a builder. Like I wanted to build things, that entrepreneurial energy, plus understanding that you want to build things that are sustainable, kind of had me minded that way. And so if you just kind of understand your influences and know that you're entrepreneurial, you want to build things, you want to build things that are sustainable, you replace that with the church of church, the term of church planning, it, it makes sense you probably wouldn't like have contextualized that growing up because maybe you don't have parents that are pastors and things like that. But when the opportunity presented itself, it started to make sense why maybe God had placed me to be able to serve in that way and in that capacity. Yeah. That's so cool. I I, I remember listening to, I don't remember who it was, but you were being interviewed by somebody and it was almost instantaneously, just so practically of like, you see problems and instantly have solutions. And Mm. obviously with overflow and with planting a church in San Francisco in the Bay area, there's just so many things that people instantly see problems, but you see solutions. So I wonder if you could expand a little bit about an entrepreneur on here. Maybe they want to start a business. Maybe there's a young church leader who's like, I want to plant a church someday. I have aspirations to do so. Maybe talk a little bit about yeah, being the solution to the things that you see, or maybe even how to do so or what to look for. Yeah, my encouragement actually would be to try to go as deep into the problem as you can. Mm. Try to go as deep into the pain as you can. If you're in position to, and you already are living in the problem and living in the pain, 
that's actually kind of ideal. <laughs> and, uh, you know, some might contextualize that in life as a big burden that you got to live through this problem. You got to live through this pain, but maybe you're carrying that burden potentially because you need to bring breakthrough for other people. Right. And so just even like, for example, with overflow, I am the target customer. Like I served in the seat of executive pastor at our church and understood the pain of people trying to give stocks to the church and crypto to the church and things of that nature. And because I lived that pain, I was one of the best suited to solve that pain with the right solution. The best solutions are often a byproduct of understanding the problem the most. And so my encouragement actually to most people is I think we jump to solutions too quickly. We should actually rest, dissect, and deepen our understanding of the problem as much as we can. And that person that knows the problem the best likely will be able to navigate the best solution. Super, super good. I love that so much. Yeah. I mean, for me anyways, I, I, I a hundred percent concur with what you just said. Like, I think in our culture, we love the mountaintop, right? Like we love the yeah. success. We love the YouTube video of like 10 tips to become the next entrepreneur. It's like, right. hey man, why don't you just take a couple of years to just learn and sit and be obsessed with the thing that you feel like God has handed you. So I love that. Yeah. So it, you, you mentioned overflow. We've mentioned a couple of times, maybe listeners have no idea what it is. Can you, can you talk to us maybe about you? Like you said, you're working in tech and provided this solution. I'm sure you've shared this story a thousand times, but I think it'd be really, really cool for people to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. So Overflow is a technology company, specifically a financial technology, FinTech for short. And we serve churches and charitable organizations, churches like Elevation Church, Life Church, and Church of the Highlands, charitable organizations and foundations such as American Cancer Society and the Golden State Warriors Foundation. Uh, we work with these organizations to unlock more ways for their givers to give. And so 90% of wealth, uh, for example, is in non-cash assets. We make it super streamlined and scalable for people to be able to give stocks and crypto to these organizations that work with us. Um, recently, we've also endeavored to unlock more ways to save for organizations. So we now provide an online giving solution that reduces the amount of processing fees on ACH debit and credit giving mm -hmm. as well. Our mission is to inspire the world to give, and our vision is to build the infrastructure that makes generosity frictionless across every major asset class. We were founded on a biblical principle, Proverbs 11.24, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. So if our technology company can inspire the world to give, then we can enlarge our world because if everybody on the planet becomes a generous person, their worlds would become enlarged. So cool. I remember hearing about overflow for the first time and this might, this might just be an honest take, but I remember thinking, Holy smokes, we're actually <laughs> in par ahead of the game in the church. Yes. Yes. We've done it. I, we're not, we're not. I like that. You behind. said that. I like that you said that we're definitely on the, we're definitely on the cutting edge for sure. Um, because the reality is that stock and crypto giving is not yet the most frequent type of gift the church gets, but the same way that online giving was revolutionary for the church in the past decade, I believe non-cash giving will be revolutionary for the church in the next decade. Yeah. 
We're going into two kind of similar themes, I guess. One, talk to me a little bit about the 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 startup days, the days where you're like, all right, we're going to, I have an idea. Now let's practically turn this into a business. Talk to me a little bit about that journey. And then after that, maybe go into a little bit about just practical principles of somebody who's like, man, I want to start a business. And we, we know maybe they've been obsessed with the problem for five years and they've finally get into that point of like ready to rock. Talk to us a little bit about those two things. Yeah. Um, I'll start with the latter first. The key is what I said earlier is really understanding the pain point and the problem deeply and getting a burden for it. If you're going to start a company, you got to be really passionate to solve that problem that you understand needs to be solved, right? Because the entrepreneurial journey is not for the faint hearted. Um, you get kicked, you get knocked down, you know, a ton of times, you know, Proverbs says that the righteous man, though, the godly people, they will get knocked down seven times, but get up, right? And so that is so true for the entrepreneurial journey. It's not if that will happen, it's definitely when that's going to happen. Disappointment, failure, rejection, all of that you will face. So if you're going to face that, you better be deeply convicted that you're passionate to be able to solve this problem. There's a lot of other ways to make money. There's a lot of probably other easier ways <laughs> to make money, to be honest. Sure. Um, so this has got to be something that you're deeply convicted about uh, to want to solve and deeply convicted about in terms of the future you're going to create that doesn't exist already. Hmm. And so that would be number one. Number two would be deciding how you want to start the business. Do you want to create a lifestyle business? If you want to create a lifestyle business and create a living and provide for your family with this, then the best route is to bootstrap it, is to continue working your day job and to save money and use your own savings to fund the business and to own 100% of the business and grow at a steady pace. Figure out a business model that exchanges value for money, take those profits and continue to reinvest in your business to grow it at a steady pace. That is what most people should actually probably do. There are a smaller segment of people that have a bigger vision, that they see this problem is pervasive enough that they think that hundreds of millions of people should get impacted by it, or even maybe a billion plus people will get impacted by it. If you're in that camp, you probably want to consider raising money from investors. Investors give you money in exchange for a percentage of your business, um, but you have to convince the investor that it's a big problem. You have to convince the investor that you're the right person to solve that problem. And then you have to convince the investor that the market is big enough and you have a sound enough business model to be able to capture that market with some sort of profit margin, right? Um, if you can do that, that investor may give you in the magnitude of hundreds of thousands of dollars, in some cases, millions of dollars in exchange for a certain percentage of your business, 10%, 20%, 40%, depends on what type of investor that they are. And then you take that money that they give you, and then you invest into a team to then build out the product and to scale the business, right? Um, that's called venture backed businesses. Uh, raising money from venture capital. And so you got to understand, okay, which route do you want to take? I've taken the venture route. And so I have investors that have invested capital into overflow. That's a very specific path. So 
we, because we took that path, are set on taking a high growth, fast growth route to building the business. From there, it's about recruiting top talent and continuing to build products and services that solve the initial problem that you set out to solve. Yeah, I mean, it's so cool hearing from you. And I've recently interviewed the CMO for, it's an alcohol company, I won't mention it, but he he basically talked about the similar thing. Like we we just kind of had an idea and there was three of us and we kind of just had to hustle our way into rooms and have conversations yeah. with people to share our vision and maybe speak to, um, I think this would probably be honestly to everybody, but how do we be confident in those rooms of like, you know, God's called you to do it. You know that you have the, the proper solution in an ethical way. How do you walk in and run in with confidence? Yeah, that's a good question. I think there's a couple of practical things that can produce confidence. Preparation can definitely produce confidence. And so a lot of people will say, oh, you know, it's on God or let go and let God. <laughs> well, you know, practically speaking, if God didn't do anything else, he's already done enough, <laughs> right? And so he's actually already given everything that you need. And if you have accept him, accepted him as Lord and Savior in your life, he resides in you, right? And so it's not a relinquishing of just, you know, putting up it up in the atmosphere and the ether and trusting God's going to do everything. Uh, there is a partnership that he wants to produce in us. And so I think preparation can lead to confidence. So how prepared are you going into these meetings will increase your confidence. I think that another thing that can increase confidence is I'll just go back to it again, understanding the problem more than anybody else. When you're the subject matter expert in the room on the topic, it's going to produce a natural confidence. Uh, and then, you know, involving God. So what does involving God look like? It's not just let go and let God, but it's inviting the Holy Spirit into the situation, right? If we believe that Holy Spirit is what the Bible says the Holy Spirit is, which is our helper and our advocate, why would we not invite a helper? Why would we not invite a divine advocate to be there with us? Um, and so we have access to it. The Bible says we can come boldly before God. And so why not invite him into every situation? It's so good. Yeah. Let's go. All right. Last couple of questions. I'll cut that out. I, if you have ever used a Canon, oh, see, it did it again. That's all right. We'll just, we'll just <laughs> chop it up. I'm going to turn all good. Camera off. Well, I'll just turn it off. You can't switch cameras. No worries. Shout out to podcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good lordy. But yeah, Noah, just kind of just kind of wrapping up here. Vance, thanks for being on again. Um, yeah. Last couple of questions. Number one, are you a Golden State Warriors fan for being in the Bay Area? Yeah, I am. Okay. All right. I I've yet to meet a person. Here's the deal, dude. I've lived in Southern California for like three months now, so I'm starting to get the, uh -huh. the concepts here. Nobody's a Clippers fan. Never met one. Nobody. I don't think they're nobody. Um, yeah. It's not. But talk to me about the early days of Golden State Warriors. Like, were you like moving there? Were you a Golden State Warriors fan? Were you just kind of like integrated with it? 
Like, how did that work? Because I'm I'm a Bulls fan. Yeah, so so, so my, my my basketball fandom goes like this. Growing up, my dad was a Lakers fan. Uh, I was born in Chicago. My mom was a Bulls fan. And so a lot of love for the Lakers growing up and the uh, Bulls growing up, obviously Jordan and Kobe. Specifically, I mainly grew up a Kobe fan, right? Yeah. But also grew up in Seattle, so rocked with the Sonics, followed them. But then the Sonics got sold off, right, to the <laughs> Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, and so that was kind of my eclectic basketball upbringing. Moving to the Bay Area about 11 years ago now um, and some change, you know, we, especially because um, some of the Warrior players are investors into overflow and we've had different kind of Bay Area sports team involved in our church. You just kind of grow in love with the sports team locally. And so that that's kind of my journey. I wish it didn't sound as bandwagon as it does, but it is what it is. <laughs> I've, you just, you got to respect the Warriors. That's the deal. Like I, yeah. you can't not watch a Warriors game. And my wife and I, I don't, I don't even know how far away San Fran is from us or the Bay Area, probably three hours. I don't know. We, yeah, definitely need to go to a game. Need to go to a Warriors game because I it just seems incredible. It's like I don't know, man. NBA. I I think. Who do you think's gonna win? Nuggets or Heat? Honest answer. Hot take here. Who do I want to win? The Heat, just because I like Miami. I got some love for Miami. I have a lot of friends in Miami. Who do I think is gonna win? I think the Nuggets. I mean, the Nuggets. Yeah you know, pretty much breezed by the Lakers and the Lakers are not bad. And so, and it looked like the heat was struggling with the Celtics who, you know, were really, really good during the season, but seemed to, you know, be not as good during the playoffs. So, I mean, the Nuggets have gotten a lot more rest. I think they're probably likely to win, but I, mm -hmm. I will be rooting for the heat. Um, even though I think that the underdog, yeah. Yeah. I, I just cannot go for the Nuggets. I don't know why I think it's, I think it's yeah. not a, not a joke. It's guy. But exactly right, enough about NBA listeners are already tuned me off. Just kidding. All right, Vance, give us the last question. Kind of the last um, thought here. Talk to just give me a, like the very, very practical piece of advice for somebody listening to this. Maybe again, the audience, he might be a 16 year old with a lawn mowing business or he might be talking to a 70 year old lead pastor who's stalking us. I don't know. But give us a, just give us one last recommendation from you. Yeah, my recommendation would be to address those things that you are not doing based out of fear. Mm. And don't operate out of fear, right? The Bible is really clear. He has not given us a spirit of fear, uh, but of power and of a sound mind. And so, especially if you're a certain personality type, it's hard to admit that you might be locked up in fear, stuck in fear, or operating out of fear as soon as you can get honest with yourself in those areas where you might be operating fear, whether it may be in a relationship or in a business endeavor or in your workplace or, you know, with a set of friends or whatever your context may be, um, address it and realize that, you know, that's not the spirit of God. The spirit of God is actually uh, one where you're moving with confidence, power, and of a sound and sober mind. Yeah. So good. Be confident, be strong in the grace for those who are in Christ Jesus. One of my favorite scriptures in Timothy somewhere, but 
thank you so much for being on. Seriously, it's been so much fun learning about you, learning about Overflow and what you guys are doing in the Bay Area. We know um, it's it's hard work building the church, but it's fun and it's worth it. Oh, yeah. Um, it's literally the, the best thing on the planet. Couldn't. I'm sure we could probably have a whole other episode just talking about church planning and building the church and volunteer culture and all that stuff. But just wanted to honestly get to know you. Um, it's been so much fun. So how do how do we get connected maybe to you, maybe to Overflow? Maybe there's a pastor who is like, hey, this sounds really cool. I'd love to learn more. Yeah, just any social channel, search either my name, Vance Roush. On Instagram, I'm just that that first last name, Vance Roush, V-A-N-C-E-R-O-U-S-H. And then Overflow app, you can search on any of the social media platforms as well. And we'd love to connect. Great. Well, every listener, please do that. I think it'd be of major value. I know that our last church was definitely all about overflow, being a part of the C3 movement. Let's go. Yes, sir. Thanks, Josh. Yeah, thank you.